0: The following is a hoop bowl presentation.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Hoop Ball DFS. Today podcast, we are back. It's Harris Kermani. I'm Micah Patria. We're here to break down this wonderful, fantastic Thursday slate, November fourth. Five games on the card. Harris, you—we uh, talked about it before we got on the show. You're having—you're having yourself a pretty nice night over there, aren't you?
0: I cannot complain about the night whatsoever. As I was telling you earlier, Raptors four and zero on the road now. Can't be beat. Bet three six five is great on it too. They keep uh, giving. Underdog odds to them and I just keep cashing them in so enjoying that side and DFS has been pretty good too A shout out to a number of people that messaged me about the Gary Trent pick from the last one They seem to really enjoy getting that one and putting it in so I'm glad it worked out for everyone and that it was a good night
1: It's nice when you can cash in on your Raptors and then our listeners can as well So there you, go. Uh, you are our in-house Raptors expert. So whenever there's a go-to question about the Raptors Make sure you guys jump on it Hit a Paris Uh, there's not too many people I could talk about or talk to that know as much about the Raptors as you, man. And it goes to your credit, Mr. Season Ticket Holder. You're watching them every single night in person. Uh, that, that helps. It helps. Believe it or not, guys, if you watch the games, you will know more, but having a pretty nice DFS night myself right now did pretty well last night. So hoping to make it two straight. Uh, I don't know if this doesn't look like it's going to be a night I'm going to ship it home, but. Anytime you finish, you know, and use these GPPs more than doubling your money, you got to feel pretty confident, even if you break even in GPPs. That's a win in my book, because we're really playing to get that, you know, top 1%. So uh, as long as you're not losing, that's a win. We'll take it. But we got an interesting slate, and I think interesting is is an easy way to put it. Only five games on the card, but boy, is there some value. So before we jump into anything, though, quick shout out to our presenting sponsors over at Manscaped, guys. Head over to manscaped.com. Use that promo code, Hoopball20, get 20% off plus free shipping on your entire purchase. All of your male grooming needs, the number one male grooming needs business in the business, I guess you could say, for everything from conditioners, toners, travel kits, the ear, hair, and nose trimmer, lawnmower, which they just, they keep upgrading. And that's the great thing about Manscaped, guys. They don't get stagnant on their products. If there's a way they could tune it make it better, they will. And then Great part about it, maybe you have the old old, old mower, there we go, and you want to try the new one, use that promo code, 20% off of it, plus free shipping. We have holidays right around the corner, great gifts for everybody. So head over there, Hoopball20, for the 20% off, plus free shipping. So we'll dive right into things. Like I said, this is going to be a very interesting slate. There's a lot of ways you can go wrong with it, a lot of ways you can go right. But we'll start off at the top, Philly traveling d- to Detroit, taking on the Pistons, second night of the back-to-back for Philadelphia. We do not have their injury report yet, but for the most part, we know what's going on over there for the Pistons. Sabin Lee has been ruled out, and it's uh, G League assignment. Him, Isaiah Livers, Chris Smith, all in the G League right now. So nothing to worry about there. For the most part, they will pretty much be good to go. No game total, no spread just yet. Probably waiting just because of Philly, but like I said, most of that information we have readily available for Philadelphia. We know that Tobias Harris is out. We know Ben Simmons is out. Danny Green said he's going to miss the next few games. So those are the three main injuries that we need to be concerned with. I'll pass it over to you, Harris. I'll let you start with the Philadelphia Sixers. Uh, you know what are what are you looking at? There's a lot to like here. We saw a lot of the value in, in the minutes kind of get this, uh, distributed tonight. But who are you playing? Yeah, and obviously
0: them being on a back-to-back makes that a little bit more interesting because then Joel Embiid situation kind of comes into it, whether he's in any way limited, whether he's playing at all. I mean, I doubt that he gets rested just because they're out. Tobias Harris, obviously Ben Simmons continues to be mental helping it up. So no idea when he gets back, but you're right. You're getting a lot of distribution on the minutes. And there's a lot of guys that have come in and g- gotten pretty decent usage. And if you're looking from a value perspective, you know, George Niang, sitting at 4,400, has gotten thrust into the starting lineup, getting 31 minutes in this last game against Portland. You know, 7 of 16 from there, dropped 21. You know, He's clearly going to be a guy that they're looking to as far as offense is concerned. Obviously, Tobias Harris had been their primary guy to be able to shoot from the perimeter, but they're going to need a little bit of help there. Seth Curry's going to need a little bit of help. But speaking of Seth Curry, at 5,900, he's probably a guy who's going to be a big focal point of the offense now. Uh, you've seen he's been running a lot more from a point guard perspective, even though he's listed as a shooting guard. You know, he's been racking up a decent amount of dimes in that point as well. So you know, a guy I'm really looking at. I like that 5,900 price tag for the upside he has. I do think this uh, Philly-Detroit game, just because... You know, Philly's coming out of back-to-back, I'm going to be a little bit tired, and it's not like Detroit is uh, really going to run you out of the building. So I expect the game to be actually relatively tight going all the way through, especially because Detroit's playing at home. So you know, I'm happy to have a little bit more exposure. And then finally, my favorite value play, which I'm going to speak about a little bit later, is Matisse Thybul. Just plain and simple, it's always been a situation of him getting minutes and him also getting a little bit more usage. His minutes have now kind of Gotten pretty secure in that 30 minute area, which is great. But more so than that, he's getting more shots to kind of complement the fact that he's always going to get you steals and blocks. So at his bottom barrel price of 3600 I think there's a lot of upside over there. And I'm going to be looking at him a lot to be able to fill out some of the uh, studs that I'm hoping to fit in otherwise.
1: Well said. Yeah. Thiebel, especially great play on FanDuel where they reward a little bit more points for those steals and blocks. But 3600 fantastic price tag. Uh, Niang actually, I believe, uh, came off the bench, which doesn't really matter. We'd actually rather see that, in my opinion. He's getting that bench usage. Still played 31 minutes. Um, they continue to start Korkmaz, uh, and then they they started uh, Thibault in place of Danny Green. But there's so many options on this team that we can play. So many, so much value. Thibault, Nyang, both fantastic value plays, in my opinion. we well, that's going to be the theme of the night is the value. I really do like Joel Embiid, even though it's a back-to-back 10-5. It's one of my favorite plays on the slate. He should absolutely destroy in this matchup. Um, I mean, Stewart hasn't really been able to do much of anything this season. Uh, really struggling, showing that expanded role, and is is not losing it anytime soon. Uh, but I can easily see him getting into foul trouble pretty early on this. And then if Olenek comes in, he, he'll get bullied. Uh, they're going to need Joel Embiid out there. The Olenek matchup, you know, stretching him out, pulling him away from the paint. That's not going to that's not going to take Embiid off the court. Uh, they're going to need him for every single minute in this one. He didn't put up a great fantasy game tonight, but it's it's bound to happen. 105 we're going to have plenty of money to spend. Normally, I would be shying away from that price tag a little bit. But uh, the only question that's going to come into is, you know, how many centers are you going to play? Uh, there's going to be a lot of value at the center position. And that's where I think Embiid might come in as a little contrarian where if you choose to uh, only spend down at one center spot, you might get a lower ownership on Embiid as well. So I have interest in Embiid. I have interest in Korkmaz. uh, Not as much as Nyang and Thibel, but all four of those guys very, very much in play for me. On to the Detroit side. And uh, and Seth Curry, too. I'm not going to say he's a bad play. I just, the way my builds have been looking so far, I just wasn't falling in that price range too much. But on Detroit, Cade Cunningham, man. 4K, ah. it's a tempting price tag. It's another it's another value option. You know, one would imagine that this shot is going to fall eventually. He had no real restrictions in that last one. Even during the blowout, he played 29 minutes, took 14 shots, made two. 0 of 9 from behind the line. I'm not afraid to go back to the well here. And There's one thing I I, I love is when people do get scared, they check those box scores, and they're going to say, well, there's value all over the place. Why would I take a chance on him? You take a chance he's the first overall pick, and he's taking 14 shots. Uh, It's that simple to me. You know, even if he shoots these at a 30 to 35 percent clip, which is still not great, he's going to return the value on it. He's a tall point guard, very lengthy point guard. The steals, the rebounds, those things are going to come to this kid. He's still it's only been two games. So I don't mind going back to the well with Cade Cunningham, looking at him as a value play outside of him. uh, I think this is a pretty good matchup for Sadiq Bay. He struggled with a shot in that last one as well. Two of 13. But I can see him having a, you know, one of those seven to eight rebound games getting close to 20 actual points, lands in that 5,900 range. So it gets a little tough for me there. And then you could always love a little revenge if you want to look at the revenge with Jeremy Grant. But 68, I think I'd rather just try to find the extra couple bucks to get up to Horford, Uh, just model of sense and security with Horford. But uh, Grant always has that upside. Showed it in that last one, put up 30 DK points in only 24 minutes. Like we said, we expect this one to stay close. And the last two games where he's played 35 minutes, he's put up at least 36 DK points. So I'll pass it over to you, Detroit, if there's anything else you want to add.
0: I think you've hit most of the main guys. Uh, On a side note, I do also like a little bit of Killian Hayes just because he is... As much as Kate Cunningham is kind of shooting a lot more, you're seeing Killian Hayes get that opportunity to be able to get some of those dimes. And a lot of those missed shots that Kate had last game were coming off of Killian's passes. So if you hope that Kate will finally get some of his shot going, not be 0-14 from the three-point line for the season, then you may see that Killian at 3,900 likely hits
1: his value at a good good clip as well. All right. We'll move on to the next game. I just never play Killian, to be honest. I just... uh... I, I don't knock it. That's the one thing. I won't knock the play whatsoever, just because he is getting the minutes. He'll probably play ble- uh, better alongside Cade. Uh, you're right. The assist will definitely go up. I just, you know, with all the value available, I just don't know it, where his ceiling's at right now. I feel like his ceiling's maybe 34, 33, which if you got that, you'd be happy. But we've yet to even see that ceiling game quite this season. And we have some plays that we're about to talk about right now who, you know, <laughs> could easily crush that, and get you 50. So, uh, we have Atlanta, uh, Atlanta defending their home court against Utah. No, uh, no injury report for the Hawks yet. Back-to-back for them as well. For the Jazz, though, buckle up. A lot of people out. Um, Donovan Mitchell is questionable. We saw him hobbled, injured his ankle in that last game. I would be shocked if he plays. We know that Rudy Gay's sitting out dealing with the right heel injury. So, those are the two big ones. Royce O'Neal, also questionable. If he sits... It's going to open up some power forward spot, power forward minutes, probably Joe Ingles. Uh, and like I said, if Mitchell sits, we we'll are probably be looking at guys like Clarkson. Uh, Conley gets a nice little usage boost. So there's a lot to like here. I mean, the elephant in the room is going to be Hassan Whiteside at 4,100. We're playing him. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Even in 15 to 20 minutes, this dude will pay off that price tag more often than not. But if you're telling me he can get 25 to 30... Yeah, I'm going to have some interest in him. Just his, his sheer block upside, his sheer rebounding upside. We don't need him to get any more than 10 to 12 points, and that price tag will get paid off. He'll be very, very chalky. He'll probably be in 90%, but this is one of the situations where it was like when Gafford was sitting and Montrose Harrell was starting. You just don't fade some good chalk. There's other chalk on this slate that we could fade, but this is, in my opinion, this isn't one of them. Now, these other spots, where am I going to be looking? You could pretty much spread your ownership out pretty evenly. I, I like Joe Angles at 46. I like him even more if there's no Royce O'Neal. He'll he should be easily uh, easily be able to pay off that price tag at 4,600, knowing that he's going to get a trickle down of usage. It's a different story when Donovan Mitchell sits as opposed to Conley. There's playing time, and then there's about 18 shots that are going to go around. So Clarkson, if he starts, Comes off the bench doesn't matter to me. I like him in both situations. I actually prefer him off the bench just so he gets that second unit bench usage. He's a guy that I could easily see finishing this game with close to 20 shot attempts. So I have interest in all three of those guys. I'll be mixing and matching, and I don't mind even taking the stab at Conley at 63. We saw him put up 30 points in that last game, took 19 shot attempts. He's not afraid to, you know, carry a little bit of the load. I just don't see his minutes playing much more than 32 because we know they're trying to, you know, manage it something that they're very concerned about. The last thing they want to do is aggravate something like a hamstring injury for Mike Conley in a game where they're already missing two starters. So that's kind of my take on it. If Mitchell plays, that obviously puts a little bit of a damper on some of these guys. I don't think I'd pay the 94 for Mitchell if he plays on a hobbled ankle, but I'll still have interest in guys like Ingles and Whiteside regardless. Yeah, I
0: don't think there's too much to add over there uh, just from the white side perspective you may see him uh, split a couple of minutes with uh, Eric Pascal as well just at that you know complete bottom barrel 3,000 so if we get to a point where you know you need a, a guy to be able to fit in I do expect him to actually be able to get to uh, close to 20 to 25 minutes in this one so should be pretty good for his three grand as well
1: to tell me we have more value <laughs> I didn't <laughs> no absolutely right and depending on who if Royce O'Neal sits um, they might actually they might start him just to keep and then keep either Clarkson or Ingles off the bench yeah. just to keep one of those ball handlers off the bench. That could be an option for them. So keep an eye on it. It's a pretty early game. We'll, we'll probably have a decent idea of what the starting lineup looks like, but uh over to the Hawks. Everybody pretty much good to go. John Collins was questionable coming into tonight's game. Ended up playing, played pretty well. But who are you looking at in this matchup? Yeah, see the one problem I always have in Utah matchups
0: is just always that pesky defense that gets you know, people a little bit lower because I was going to say, hey, Trey's getting back to normal. Had a great night as well coming out tonight. If uh, with me being a little bit more worried about uh, Embiid as an example for his uh, top price tag, Trey may be a spot where I may be interested in going. But again, it's just one of those where it'll probably end up being a contrarian pick just because Utah's defense is always stifling. Uh, John Collins continues to be the guy as far as uh, Atlanta has been concerned. You know, you've been talking about it as well as just a rock solid floor. The upside is always there if he has a really great night he can always give you that 40 going close to 50 and then beyond that there's just always these uh these guys that have otherwise tempting price tags i mean there's no reason in my mind why herder shouldn't break 3900 but he hasn't been involved enough in the offense to be able to do that consistently deandre hunter had an amazing night tonight dropped 26 was waiting for that all season but uh you know going to chase that might be a problem as well so it's just one of those where the only guy I really trust is John Collins, and I may have uh, some contrarian in Trey Young, but these value plays, as you said, there's better value plays out there, so I'll probably stay away from the Atlanta ones.
1: Yeah, Atlanta's going to be very, you said it perfectly, very contrarian, obviously. I don't mind looking at John Collins. Uh, you should be able to have a plus matchup at that power forward position, not having to worry about Rudy Gobert. Yeah, Hassan Whiteside can get you five blocks, but he's not good at defense. There's a big difference between Hassan Whiteside blocks and Rudy Gobert blocks. Uh, Rudy's actually good at defense. White side, not so much. She's going to allow a ton of points just because he goes for the those weak side blocks and gets them. Doesn't mean that he's protecting the paint. There's a big difference. So I don't mind uh, taking a look at John Collins. I was very high in Clint Capella on tonight's matchup. Played extremely well against that Brooklyn interior, but it's a back to back, so I, I get a little hesitant with him on back to backs just because he's somebody that they've been trying to limit more and more through as the season went on. So they need him for playoffs. Let's be real. So. I think it's probably just John Collins for me as well. I'm not chasing that Hunter game. Shot 10 of 11, 6 of 6 from deep. So that's something that is, you know, very normal for him. Uh, but wouldn't mind taking a stab at here, uh, Werner as a contrarian value play. They're trying to think, Show people are talking about him being traded. I don't know. He just signed that extension. So it's kind of tough to trade him after he signed an extension. So we'll have to see. But if that's the case, we could see him get some extra run in this one. But on to the next one. Eastern Standard Time game. Boston Celtics traveling to Miami, taking on the Heat. Celtics, second half of back-to-back for them as well. Heat for the injury report. Victor Oladipo, Max Struss, Marcus Garrett all ruled out. Casey Akpala is questionable. So this is going to probably be the best actual basketball game of the night. Uh, Very exciting game. I'll pass it over to you. I'll let you talk about the Celtics. I'll grab the Heat. And we'll bring it all together and bring it home. Yeah, I
0: mean, you're probably right about it being the most exciting game, even though the spread kind of seems to indicate it may not be as much. I mean, they got the Heat as eight point favorites on here, a 215 game, but I expect it'll be closer than that. I mean, Boston has been going through its own issues, players only meeting, all of that. But beyond in between all of that, Al Horford continues to be that absolute rock that you can rely on night in, night out. As long as he's playing, he is never letting you down on the price tag. And until he gets to somewhere close to that 8,000 one, I'm willing to lock him in every night. So sitting in at 7,400 today, absolutely lock in there. And then after that, you know, those 5,000 guys that are sitting there for Boston continue to be intriguing just because they do have that upside on them. And if, hey, Marcus Smart can get uh, Tatum and Brown to pass a little bit more, as he's hoping to, we get a few more shots out of him at 5,500. He's always been a guy that uh, I always have interest in just because... You know, if he has a big night from from three, because you know he's going to shoot anywhere between five to six every every single night, the other stats will usually make it up. So he's a pretty decent play as far as uh, point guard side is concerned. But really, Al Horford locks in, and everyone else is kind of a bit contrarian.
1: Yeah, and I think that's it's pretty much a must play almost at this Horford standpoint. I mean, you, if, if there's a matchup where you might be a little concerned, it's against this heat defense, which has been nothing short of absolutely fantastic this season. So I I could see that, but I mean, he's been their best defender. We see him probably come off the court last. Uh, some of these starters come off the court. They try to keep him on as often as possible. So I don't have any issues, you know, going straight back to the well without Horford uh, Tatum. Yeah. He becomes contrarian just because of the guy on the other side of the ball, which, You know, slightly like him a little bit more, but he played well against the Heat actually last year. So, you know, looking at that matchup for what it is, uh, I think they played about three games and he was averaging close to twenty nine, six and five. So it's not like it's Jimmy Butler shuts him down or anything like that. So I'm not going to cross him out of my player pool. I think he makes for that great uh, GPP type play, not playing Jalen Brown with a nine hundred dollar difference separating the two. I just prefer to play Tatum. Um, especially with a back to back, we know that we saw we heard the Celtics come out and say that they wanted to kind of handle Brown a little not with kid gloves, but uh, he's been dealing with knee, knee tendinitis for the better half of like a year now and might not be the matchup you want to target him in in general anyway. So, those are the two main targets I'm looking at. And I know you said smart. I kind of like Schroeder. Uh, Schroeder's just been playing fantastic off the bench for him. If anybody ever gets into foul trouble, he gets that little boost knowing that he's gonna be the first guy that comes in, gets the bench usage, shot attempts. It's going to be like a Schroeder versus Tyler Hero bench matchup. So, those are the three guys I'm really targeting. And on the Miami side of the ball, Jimmy Butler, 9,600. I don't know how you can not play this guy at this point. He just continues to put on big games. Yes, the price tag went up. It's $500. But he just scored 47 points, DK points, on 11 shot attempts. The steals are coming at an absurd rate. He's getting to the foul line, which is super important. Over the last two games, 28 foul shots and he knocked down 25 of them so uh, absolutely love jimmy butler we're gonna have money to spend on this slate and he's probably gonna be one of the guys i make sure i I, you know get a fair amount of ownership in. i can see him being one of my higher owned spend ups bam out of bio coming up at 8100 has been playing great over the past few games he's a contrarian play if you ask me uh, we already talked about two centers on this slate who are fantastic we'll get to another one in the next game who could have a load of value as well so if you're trying to be Kacharian, maybe you're not playing Butler. You can play these guys alongside of each other. There's no issues there. Uh, but if you want to get exposure to this game and you don't want to spend up on Butler, I, I can see Bam being an absolutely fantastic play. You just, again, you have to sacrifice one of those center spots for him, uh, especially if you're talking about FanDuel. Gets even tougher there. Outside of those two guys, I mean, this Tyler Hero show, man, what do you make of it? it like, it's just <laughs> this kid's making statements. And the price tag is not really budget. It's been, you know, that $66, $6,700 $6, range for the past five games now. And he continues to pretty much pay that off. I think he paid it off four out of the past five games. Is this another game we could look at him in?
0: Yeah, and Tyler Hero is just one of those situations where his entire game is around how efficient a shooting night goes. And to his credit, this entire season, he's pretty much been doing that. I mean, 55% of the last one, he had a slightly off one prior to that, but he was able to make it up just because he hit a couple more threes in that one. But... Yeah, Tyler Hero is absolutely locked in as their gunner and the fact that he's handling the ball so much more to get you those four or five assists every game. I mean, until he gets into that like mid 7,000 range, he's pretty much a lock for me too, just considering how the Heat are using him. And you mentioned Bam and I like Bam, especially more in the last couple of of games because it's where Kyle Lowry has finally been coming back into normal. Now, I'm not saying take Kyle Lowry at 7,700, but the idea being that with him being back and more involved with the offense his assist rate and all of that is up most of those assists you're going to start to see are going to come to bam when they start running that pick and roll that pick and pop kyle Lowry like made his money with that in toronto all the way through getting every big man to have career years because of that situation so uh, you know as long as kyle keeps playing as it is bam is going to be a great play night in night out he's going to start to get more efficient looks and at the 8100 i absolutely love that price tag in this kind of a matchup and, yeah, that's where I'm going. Jimmy Butler, I think it's it's funny because uh, you, know, you talk about taking Morant on the chin. I feel like I take Jimmy Butler on the chin every single night <laughs> where it's like, yeah, you know, uh, I have him in lots of season long leagues. I absolutely love his game. But it, his entire thing to me has always been, all right, he's not going to shoot enough threes. Is that going to mess me up from the fact that he's like a 9000 guy? And then he kicks me in the nuts every time. So I'm sure it'll happen again. Jimmy continues to be awesome. He's going to be a great play, but I'm always fading him. It's just the
1: thing I do. Yeah, you're you're always going to have those couple guys that you're ready to take one off the chin. And as long as you have a good pivot, it's not going to hurt you. And I'll tell you what, I didn't take one off the chin from Morant tonight. Uh, that was a good feeling. Uh, he came out and he played well. He played very well actual basketball. They won by two in that game. Uh, had that you know pretty sick 360 layup right at the halftime, but yeah. uh, did not come near to his salary. Did not come even close to paying it off. Finished with 18-6-6 six six with three steals. So you know you're gonna you're gonna be right on a lot of those, and I think for the most part we were looking at Morant just being a little bit too elevated at a price tag in general, despite how good of a talent he is, and he's a future face of the NBA. He's gonna be fantastic for the next ten years. Uh, but Jimmy, he's a guy that we know is is should be priced around that nine K mark, and has been priced around that nine K mark for the past few seasons. And yeah, so what we're paying an extra what six hundred dollars for him on this slate when we have too much value as it is, uh, I'm I'm okay with doing that, but. You're always going to have a few of those guys. I got probably 10 of them in my arsenal where, listen, if they beat me, they beat me. Uh, I'll live to see another day. And you don't usually lose your slate because of one guy going off that you don't have. You lose your slate because you played somebody that's not going to do well. So I try not to focus as much on which guys I'm I'm not having in my lineup uh, as opposed to which guys I do have in my lineup. That's always one of the outlooks I try to take. but. Uh, I'm right there with you. And, and Bam has been just stifling centers on defense. He's like allowing I, – I saw it on Twitter the other day, some absurd stat where opposing centers are shooting like 20-something percent or maybe it was even 20 percent against them this season, which is just absolutely insane. So I wouldn't even think about Robert Williams. But now that I said that, uh, it will probably be the Robert, the Robert Williams <laughs> game. But on to the next game, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time game. So a two-and-a-half-hour gap in between these two games – Uh, So make sure that, you know, you got these last two games slotted toward the bottom of your lineup. That way, if you need a late swap, you could. Houston Rockets traveling to Phoenix, taking on the Suns for Houston. Daniel House Jr., Garrison Matthews, both ruled out. Daniel Tice is questionable with that toe soreness. Saw him sit out that last game. For the Suns, DeAndre Ayton is questionable, along with Cameron Payne. Darius Sarge remains out. Probably won't be back at all this season, but... As far as a game total and a spread, we don't have it. Probably because they ain't noose, is what I imagine. But I'll pass it over to you, Houston Rockets. What do you like? Hey Houston again is one of those guys well one of those
0: teams where there's all these guys that are at price tags, which I find incredibly intriguing. And then they always seem to screw me over. But on the other hand, just from watching a lot of Houston games, I enjoy the way they play. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. has just been playing a lot better over the last He's had two games back to back against the L.A. Lakers, where you know, even though his shooting percentage continues to be rough, the fact of the matter is his minutes keep coming into that high 30s, sometimes even low 40s situation. So, you know, he's going to be getting all the time, all the usage and how active he is on the defensive end usually gets him two or three steals at that time as well. So at 6,400 in a game where obviously, you know, Chris Paul is Chris Paul, but you find that they uh, switch a lot between uh, their two guards, between Porter and Jalen Green, to kind of take over the point guard situation. So I could see him getting a little bit more time on Devin Booker instead, who is a much less accomplished defender versus uh, versus Chris Paul. So at 6,400, I have a good amount of uh, hope that uh, Kevin Porter will have a good night. So I've got him on there. And I've continued to like what Jay Sean Tate does for the Houston Rockets I mean he's obviously had a little bit of a rough season but it's been more that his shot just hasn't been going and as a result it's kind of taken away the rest of his confidence but he came back in that Lakers game looking much more engaged he's almost like a a Pat Beverly who's a more offensively inclined guy so if he can get that kind of engagement he's often going to be a guy that kind of fills a stat sheet across the board so again in a Phoenix matchup which is likely going to be pretty close in comparison to the other matchups that are there and Probably a pretty high-paced one as well. I do like Jayshon Tate, especially the fact that he's a small forward power forward situation at 5,200. So those are the two main guys I'm looking at. And Sangoon is always a a thing at 4,100. So if you're uh, trying to be a contrarian to Whiteside, which you probably won't, you're going to take him in every one. But at 4,100, Sangoon is always one of those guys that has the capability to do a lot more. He's just kind of been giving you that ceiling of about 26, but never know you could do more than that as well.
1: I think his ceiling is much higher than 26, yeah. too. Yeah. If he's if he's playing 25 to 30 minutes, his ceiling could be 40, 45. Uh, this dude has such an arsenal. I think last game might have been one of his lowest steal games that he's had so far the season with only one. And that's the, that's the caveat when a guy like that gets moved into the starting lineup. He probably won't have as many shot attempts and things like that as though when he's coming off the bench. But keep in mind what team they were going against. Uh, there's this guy named Anthony Davis that – can sometimes put a damper on a lot of the things that you're expecting to go well for opposing Big Ben. So I don't mind looking at Sengu. That's, and that's the issue that I run into on this slate, is how many centers I do like and how much center value we do have. Yep. The the caveat, this game, like I said, it's not starting until 10 p.m., so maybe we don't have that Tice news. So there's a great pivot, just in case, though, that we can get to in that next game. But I'm with you. Uh, I think Sangoon and... Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. are probably the only two people I'm really looking at. I haven't been playing too much Christian Wood at that price tag, though he paid it off in that last one. Shout out DJ Santa Caps, right him up in the article. But I just don't see myself going to too too much of him at 8800 especially because he plays center. Uh, On to the Phoenix side of things. DeAndre Ayton, big, big question mark right now. Sign out that last game. Saw JaVale McGee draw that start. JaVel's only 3900 only played 19 minutes, but Javel can pay off a price tag at 19 pretty quickly. Uh, 24 DK points in that one with only five rebounds. I expect the rebound numbers to tip up, especially against this team that likes to play quick. More shot attempts will come. And this could be a game where we just see JaVel McGee absolutely dominating in transition. Uh, it's one thing that I haven't really seen from Sangoon so, so far is, I guess, a hole in his game is that transition defense. So, I can see rim-running Javel taking advantage of that. Another guy we need to talk about would be Frank Kaminsky. Uh, came out and dominated 3,500, put up 35 DK points. So both these guys are very, very much in play of eight and six. I'll have shares of both of them. Probably go with Kaminsky a little bit more, just based upon that it is a power forward's eligibility as well. So maybe I could end up playing guys like Embiid and Whiteside, and then use Kaminsky as some more value if I need to. Or maybe it's embiid sagoon Don't do that. Play Whiteside. Uh, whatever you want to do, you can mix and match there. and still get some shares and some ownership into this advantage at the position. So I don't mind taking those two guys outside of them. Chris Paul and Booker feel a little bit too expensive for me. If I had to play one of them, it would probably be Devin Booker. We know that the shot attempts are always going to be there for him. Has taken at least 20 shot attempts over the past three games. Just hasn't been shooting the ball well over the past two. And this is a matchup where I can easily see him taking advantage of the rookie So I think those are the three guys I'm looking at most. I wouldn't knock you if you wanted to take stabs with these mid-tier guys as well. I just think it's more of a stars and scrub type night for me.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And and watching that last game for the Phoenix Suns, they ran a lot of uh, pick and roll between JaVale McGee and Chris Paul, and tons of those Chris Paul assists came from just rim runs that JaVale McGee was getting, and it was key to their comeback. So I definitely see... Uh, Monty Williams going a lot more to that JaVale McGee and then moving it a little bit away to Frank Kaminsky. The other uh, wrinkle that comes into all of this is that when DeAndre Eaton is out, a lot of the primary rebounds go to a guy like Jay Crowder, who had a 35 and a half night on the other On the other game, even though he didn't shoot all that much, ended up 13 points, you know, five of seven, pretty normal. But it was the eight rebounds, five assists that kind of became a lot more interesting. You saw him become much more involved with the offense. And again, from a a pivot perspective, a power forward guy who you you may want to uh, look into, I think Jay Crowder at 5,000 makes a lot of sense for if DeAndre Ayton's out, he's going to become a primary rebounder and a secondary playmaker when Chris Paul is sitting.
1: All right, final game of the night, 10.30 Eastern. Standard Time. OKC. Thunder traveling to L.A. taking on the Lakers for the Lakers. Trevor Ariza. Sekou, who was in the G League. Taylen Horton Tucker all ruled out. Dwight Howard is questionable. Wayne Ellington, Anthony Davis, both probable. If you look, you'll see LeBron has that questionable tag, but he's not being listed on the injury report. So we can assume he is going to play. Actually, no, I didn't scroll down. He is listed. Questionable still. Uh, I assume he's still gonna play though. He's played through that ankle soreness. Kendrick Nunn out as well with that bone bruise for OKC. Lou Gents Dort is questionable, so is Gabriel Deck. And that is all we need to be concerned with. So we'll have to we'll have to monitor the LeBron news, but like I said, I, I'm assuming he's going to play. Two seventeen and a half game total. Lakers being favored by a whopping thirteen points. Mm. So this is going to be a very contrarian game for me. You know, I mean, this game stayed close enough in the last one for a lot of these guys to get the value. And anytime people see a you know 13-point spread, they're going to be scared off. So do I feel comfortable about a lot of these guys in my cash games? Probably not. But I think Shea Gilders alexander becomes one of the best contrarian point guard plays. We've already talked about how much value at center. Not as much at guard. We're going to have plenty of money to spend up at this guard position. And if you wanted to be contrarian with it, I think this is the way you do it. And it's get some Shea exposure because if this game stays close, it's a near lock for 40 plus for him. Uh, Outside of him, only other guy I have any interest in. Giddy's price tag getting a little up there at 5800 Not the matchup I generally want to target him in. So I don't think I'll go there necessarily. And I haven't been finding myself at that price range so, so much. But I like Darius Bailey a little bit, too. He had a great game against the Lakers last time they played. Put up 40 DK points at 4,600. He's back at play for me, staying away from the center spot. If Dort happens to sit, Kenrich Williams might draw the start, 3,200. We'll have to keep an eye on that. I think he'd be another fantastic value player that we could look at. I mean, we've seen him do so many different things at that small forward spot where who who really knows? Because we could see Giddy will probably slide down to the two. I mean, they, these guys are all playing like positionless basketball as it is. So... It would probably either be Kenrich. Or I would love it for it to be Paku, but I would imagine it's going to be Kenrich that would draw the start if Dort sits. But what are you looking at for OKC? Yeah, and obviously Gilgis-Alexander continues to be you know, a
0: guy you can rely on as long as the game stays close. But I'm a lot, seems to be, I'm a lot higher on Josh Giddey than you are in this. And the fact that he has that small forward eligibility makes him even more interesting to me. And more so than that, it's just, it's clearly a development season for him, but the best thing I like about Josh Giddy is just how much he loves to crash the boards alongside, you know, going for those blocks as well. Like any guard who is as as big as he is and as willing as he is to be able to get himself involved on that defensive side without fouling, which has been the best thing, that absolutely keeps him in play for me. Uh, he had a great game against the Clippers, and, you know, the, the way that he's playing, the way that he's getting his minutes consistently, I. You know, I don't see him dropping anything less than that floor of twenty seven and a half that he's had in the last uh, five games with you know highs that are sitting at 47, 38, 38. So at fifty eight hundred, even though I guess technically you can say, you know, for a rookie, it seems kind of pricey. I think uh, this is a great spot to be able to take him. And that small forward spot makes it so that, hey, if I can get a point guard guy in there, I'm very happy to do so.
1: Now, do you think the LeBron factor has anything to do with this game though, with Giddy? Because he, LeBron didn't. I don't believe. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me double check this. I don't think he played in that game, uh, so that's probably why we're seeing a higher spread and or game total and spread than we did in the last one. Uh, I'm not saying you know LeBron is always focused on defense. Sometimes it's actually the contrarian where it's just. He's okay with letting you get a bucket here and there. Uh, but I don't think he's going to get, want to get punked by a rookie either. So, uh, listen, I, I like Giddy. Uh, I think I love him as a talent. I think he was one of my favorite players from this rookie class coming into this season. Uh, somebody that I didn't expect him to be this good this quick. I thought there was going to be a little bit more development time. But once we saw him kind of playing in you know, preseason and things of that nature, he just looks like he's very focused, NBA ready, young, young guy, but he has a grown man's body. Um, but 5,800, it's way, it's a way to get exposure to this game. If you don't want to spend up, if you're a little worried about that spread, you know, we, we know he only needs about 27, 28 minutes to pay off his price tag. So I'm not going to cross him out. Uh, just not a guy that I'm overly, you know, focused on or hyper-focused on with so much value and so many studs that, like I said, I, I'm, I'm more or less going with the stars and scrubs approach, mm. but if I land on that 58, 6k mark, I definitely won't shy away from him. Uh. Oh, sorry. Were you say something?
0: Oh, no, I was going to say, uh, I mean, we seem to have a, the assumption that LeBron is going to be playing here, but I'm actually a little bit more, I guess, skeptical of that because it just seems like of all the games to potentially take a rest and ensure that he keeps himself going is this one. And I feel like it might be, but obviously the advantage we have over here is it's a 1030 game. So we'll keep an eye on the news, but I wouldn't be surprised if he sits. Just saying.
1: No, no, you might yeah. be right. I, I'm, I'm looking at that last game against Houston, and they barely won that. So, <laughs> I, you know, at the, at the same point, I'm like, uh, do they want to take the chance? But maybe in that in that 13-point spread, sometimes Vegas knows a little bit more than us, where that kind of has me thinking as well, where it's like, it would probably be closer to, like, you know, 10 uh, if he was sitting. But it, it might be the 10-point because he's sitting. And then also, because the Lakers are home, they give you the extra three, usually because of the home team, somewhere around that range. So, who knows? We'll have to keep an eye on it, but you're absolutely right. Giddy would be a much better play if LeBron does sit, just because A, the game stays closer, B, less defense he needs to worry about. But on the Lakers' side of the ball, I guess we're going to have to wait on the LeBron news, but as far let's I mean, we could look at this from both angles. You know what I mean? Like If LeBron plays uh, out of these three guys, all priced over 10 k now, which at one point they were all priced much, much lower than that, I think I would prefer Anthony Davis out of the bunch. It's I don't say it confidently, mm. you know, I like Jimmy Butler point per dollar better than a lot of these guys, because I know that he's going to be top dog, his team, and he's several hundred dollars cheaper than all of them. Um, Joel and Bede, I think I like more than all these guys. So it gets into a little bit of a, you know, tug of war battle at him as well, but these guys can play at different positions. And I, we already talked about all that center. So for me, it's probably going to come down to a lot of construction standpoint and a lot of how my builds are, you know, if I'm playing, Shay, I might run it back with one of these guys. Now, if LeBron sits, Westbrook becomes a, a must-play. Um, Davis becomes an absolutely fantastic play, and you'd be able to play both those guys if you wanted to. You'll have the value to play both those guys if you wanted to. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. It would probably be Anthony Davis if I had to pick out of the bunch. If if LeBron sits, though, so I think both these you know both these guys are very much in play, and I'm not really mentioning LeBron James. Sometimes that comes back and bite me, but I I probably. And a lot of the DFS guys out there I probably play the least amount of LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not play a lot of LeBron and he's one of those guys where I guess I could say it, I'm okay to take it off the chin if he has his big game. And I almost anticipate it most nights, but you know, if, if he gets your 45 or 44 here, you're not going to be too happy with it, especially with all this value out there and the guys you could have spent up on and everything else. So outside of them though, not a whole lot of interest to go around. It's just not a lot of usage. We know that when these three guys are healthy, the most shot attempts somebody's probably taken outside of maybe Carmelo Anthony because he's just boys. and just doesn't care. He'll get the double-digit <laughs> ones. But I'm not paying 53 for him with all the value available. You know, is you know maybe Kent Bazemore if you're trying to be contrarian for the steals. But we have better value available. So I don't think we need to go there. I'm not interested in the Lakers as a whole until or unless we're here early on in the day, last game of the night. So this is LeBron Sip. Yeah. And that's exactly
0: where I was. So if LeBron sat, then I had Westbrook shares. But by and large, I just didn't care to have any of the Lakers in this. And I'm right there with you as far as LeBron's concerned, because when I think about a guy that's in the 10K, you know, 11K range, I want to think about a guy who can drop 70. And LeBron at this point, just in this point in his career, and this point of how he's playing, if he's dropped 50, he's probably already won the game because he's done all the other little things to get you there. So he's likely... Not gonna have the kind of game that really makes it like an eye-popping ten thousand slam dunk pick. So I also play very little LeBron. On the other hand, I play a lot of Harden, and that usually seems to bite me in the butt. But man,
1: <laughs> the guy's your guy. It did that to me tonight. I had him. In, <laughs> I, I think we were talking about before we got on. I had him in a couple of lineups. I, you know, I, I probably played you know, five or ten different lineups tonight. I, I didn't max out anything, or, you know. But I had him in a, like one or two single entries. Uh, as I, I always make a contrarian single entry lineup. I, you know, I'll, if I do, you know, eight yep. different contests for single entry, I'll have like one or two. That's a contrarian. Uh, he was in my contrarian and the contrarian was doing better than the other. Uh, <laughs> they're both doing fairly well. But if I'm just I look back on it, and I'm like, any why did I play him? I didn't like him in the begin with. And I talked about on the podcast. He wasn't one of my favorite spend up guys, but it came down to that position eligibility. And I, I didn't love the point guard spot. I didn't have enough to go up to Curry. So I was like, you know what? It's James Harden. We know that 60 to 70 is capable. He, he could do that. Look at the matchup, easily get it. And then, uh, yeah, what did he put up, like 44 or something like that, 45, whatever it was. Not enough. That's that's what it was. But that brings us home. That is all five games. We'll talk about our player tier segment now. I'll pass it over to you, your expensive tier guy. Who are you looking at?
0: Yeah, and from the expensive tier perspective – Honestly, with with all of the potential question marks here, it's really just it's Trey Young that seems to be the one that last man standing there for me. I like him at that uh, that 9,900 overall. As I said, the downside is the Utah defense, but if Donovan Mitchell's out, it's likely going to be a closer game, which means you're going to get more usage out of Trey. You're going to get him taking a lot more shots, and just from a volume perspective, he's likely going to be able to pay that off pretty well. Uh, his dimes are getting back. You know, the rest of the offense is getting there. So for 9,900, he's my favorite play. Expensive
1: wise I really hope you said Butler or Embiid just <laughs> to make my life a little easier because I'm really torn on these two. I'm going to say Butler though, uh, just because of the eligibility at the position where we talked about so many centers. Um, I just love them. Uh, I'm a big Jimmy Butler fan. There's no doubt about it. I think I like the price tag. I like the matchup, uh, the way he's been playing, getting to the foul line, just, you know, being more assertive. So I'll take Jimmy Butler at his price tag in the mid tier. I think I know who you're going to say, just to spite me a little bit, but uh, I'll pass it over to you. Who are you looking at?
0: It's Kevin Porter Jr. at 6,400. He continues to be a guy that, one, I just like the upside of night in and night out, so I just find that I'm playing him so often, even when he was back in his 7,000s. But now he just seems a lot more uh, engaged, even though his turnovers are so annoying. and He always get 5 to 6. In that mid-6,000s one, I can easily see
1: him dropping a 40. I thought you were going to go Horford for sure. No, see, Horford seemed too easy, so I was going to leave that to Yeah No, so I kind of agree. And yeah. at 7,400, he's kind of almost out of that mid-tier. Yeah. So I'll go Mike Conley, uh, 6,300. You know, if there's no Mitchell, I'm not expecting 38 minutes or anything like that from Conley. I don't think the Jazz will do that with him, but there's a couple benefits. He's going to get extra shot attempts. He'll probably see 15-plus shot attempts. Uh, going against Trey Young defense is always a plus. You can't go wrong with that either, so... Uh, I'll go with Conley here. And then the value. Where do you go? So much of it. I'll let you take it. Yeah, and it ends up being in that Philly and Detroit game. So
0: honestly, it's between uh, Tybull and Cade, both of them sitting at that uh, you know, 3,600, 4,000, that little range over there. I'll probably lean towards Tybull altogether just because he like said that steals upside alongside the fact that he's getting more shot attempts, more comfortable within the offense itself, and they'll likely be using him that little bit more with uh, Tobias Harris continuing to be out. Table at 3600 is my favorite
1: well there we go i mean well we, we could probably give two each on this if we really wanted to and those you were know. two of the better ones i like um the obvious is white side i think 4100 and then uh, i guess a little bit of the less obvious would probably be frank kaminsky if we happen to see that there is no deandre ayton keep that in the bottom of your lineup though so you could do that pivot and you can make that swap if you'd like so there it is that's all we got for you guys so Fun show, man. Always love having you on. Love doing these podcasts with you. Full of information, full of uh, good plays. I like that we're never on the same page. We are a lot of the times, but yeah. uh, you're not afraid to go against the grain, which is great. You know, we've had some people on our show as guests and stuff in the past where it's easy to agree with somebody. But listen, if uh, you know if, if one of us was always right, we'd be millionaires. You know, we can't we can't always be right. And having somebody kind of open up the open up your eyes and point you in a different direction you might not have originally been looking that could be very helpful and i think it's great for our listeners to kind of see that and hear that as well uh now i feel like i have to play a little bit more josh giddy than i anticipated so that's just (laughs) uh, that's just the way the cookie crumbles but uh if you guys would like follow us on twitter at mike m-i-k-e-a-p-o-t-r-i-a airs as as always you can follow me at at
0: h-a-k underscore devil d-e-v-i-l and hit me up on Twitter and let me know what you guys think of my picks. It's always great to get some feedback on there. Positive, negative.
1: Give me what you got. Yeah, and there's only one way you get to get a lot of these picks. I mean, you can listen to the podcast and hear what we think the night before. Uh, but if you don't have the HoopBall DFS pass, you're not going to get the whole breakdown of the picks, which is what we produce in our Discord. We post them in the Discord. We post them on the website. Uh, that usually has a little bit more in-depth of a look because we'll start the article maybe tonight. But we finish it up usually midway through the day. So it'll be a little bit more updated as well. So, guys, it's $4.99 a month. Jump in there. Get that DFS pass. Check it out. You guys will be happy. The product's great. The Discord's fun. We get to answer some questions for you guys leading up to site. We'll touch on live breaking news as soon as the guy gets ruled out who we're looking at, why we like him, usages, you name it. We talk about it. Good time. And then give us a thumbs up, five-star rate review, all of that good stuff wherever you listen, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Doesn't matter. We'll take the love anywhere you want to give it. So, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. It'll be Santino out here crushing it with Dave. They'll be handling the business. Let's go take down some contests, some GPPs, maybe some cash games. Let's you know, let's win it all. Later, guys.